0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Highway to Hoover podcast, production of SEC Extra over at D1Baseball.com. I am your host, Joe Healy, joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Etheridge, my partner over at SEC Extra. We are continuing our series of individual team preview podcasts through the SEC, and today we're going to talk about the Ole Miss Rebels. And, um, boy, nothing nothing new in that program. Can't imagine where we'll start that conversation. So, um, But before we do, uh, I have to let you know, and I'm proud to let you know, that uh, this entire season, the Highway to Hoover podcast is brought to you by Brock's Gap Brewing Company in Hoover, Alabama. Mark and I and the entire D1 team are super excited about our partnership with the folks over at Brock's Gap Brewing. We are excited at the SEC tournament in May to, to spend a little time out there and hang out there. We we hope to see some of you folks, listeners and subscribers out there as well uh, we've got some exciting stuff coming down the pike with Brock's gap brewing uh, nothing to announce just yet but stay tuned for all of that we are certainly excited to share I-, I would be more specific about where you can find Brock's gap brewing but what i will tell you is just go to the hoover met and you're basically there as they have a beautiful tap room space uh basically in the parking lot of the hoover met so you really can't miss it once you're there so looking forward to all of that uh mark let's um Let's talk about Ole Miss, huh? I mean, just um, you know, obviously the conversation starts with you know they 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 broke through, won a national title, <laughs> and right after rival Mississippi State, no less. So mm-hmm. uh, certainly an interesting interesting deal there. But um, you know that that had to have been a you know you've been covering the SEC closely long enough now. I mean your 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 time really covering the league intensely overlaps pretty neatly with Mike Bianco's time at, at Ole Miss. So you've really kind of seen this whole deal from the beginning. And I think for people who are younger, even younger than me, I mean, um, because as you can tell, I'm extremely young. Um, and youthful, I'm not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I I first started getting into college baseball right around the time Bianco took over. But if, for folks who are, are even younger than that, I mean, they may not really truly appreciate that Ole Miss wasn't always – like this, even before the national title, like it was not a program that was the consistent winner that it has become. So um give us a little historical context here for just the last, you know, 20 years, basically of, of Ole Miss baseball compared to, to what we were talking about that before, which of course makes the national title
1: even sweeter. Yeah. Bianco took over for Pat, Pat Harrison and he came in, you know, with that Skip Bertman. Mentality and, and program um, blueprint, and really turned Ole Miss. Uh, it, it really didn't take long. Uh, they were able to be competitive, and 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 started to gain some momentum. And next thing you know, the you know there's money pouring into the program, facilities improving, and of course, it's nothing like it like it is now. It's it's incredible now, but there were those incremental steps, both from a program standpoint and from a competitive standpoint. And then they were the program that would get close and have the great regular season and just have this just demoralizing defeat you know, in the postseason. And and finally they broke through and got to Omaha, and then, then they had a little drought again with some really good teams. And then last year, after having, you know, really an up-and-down season, started the year as, you know, as one of the preseason darlings and then just, just really lost it, you know, lost it on the mound. They were able to figure it out. Always had a really good offense. And man, did it click down the stretch. Uh, I got to see them in the Hattiesburg Super Regional. And I remember thinking, I don't know who's going to beat this team. And of course, you're thinking about it. this is a three seed. This is a team that was, you know, by a lot of a lot of us, quote, experts, uh, shouldn't have even been in the regional field. But boy, that they got in and they made the most of it. And at the end of the year, they were the best team in the country. And. Uh, you know, it's it, it's a really cool story because this year everyone's going to be looking, OK, who's that team that's really talented, who can pull an Ole Miss right and and find and take that next step and, and get to the promised land? Because they certainly uh, removed, removed all doubt and, and proved that they, they were the they were the team to beat a year ago.
0: Yeah, it was I mean it's the story's been told a million times a friend of the of the show chase parham if you're interested wrote a wrote a book about it and i i thought i had it sitting here i was gonna for the visual audience i was gonna flash it up but i it's not not within arm's reach but uh regardless i mean it, it's it's such a great story just in the in the micro of the 2022 season because of the ups and downs it's a great story in the slightly larger picture of this was a team that had been on the doorstep even since 2014 when they got to Omaha. Even mm-hmm. since then, as you alluded to, there were so many doorstep moments. And then, of course, there's the the period between, you know, the early 2000s when Bianco takes over and 2014 just getting to Omaha. And then, of course, the the big macro, which is this this program was a was a nowhere program. And I, I you know, it's just the, I don't mean that disrespectfully. It was just the the facts of the situation was just really not not a factor and and has turned into obviously national title winning program. So um, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. And that's a good segue into talking about this year's team. So here is how it is going to work. If you are an Ole Miss fan, just joining us for this episode, or if you are someone who's just jumping into our preview series right now, I will do a quick recap on Ole Miss, the results from last season, which we just talked all about. Um, then Mark and I will take turns talking about what we like about this team then we'll talk about the questions we have. And then finally, we'll wrap up by talking about the things that will have to happen for this team to be the best version of itself. So almost last year, uh, 42 and 23, 14 and 16 in SEC regular season play. Um, I feel like that does just describing their record that way does a disservice to what they did, because then, of course, you know, they went on to win the national title. And then coming into this season, they are ranked number four in the country. I will go ahead and hit Lee off on this one and talk about what I like about this team. I really like the position player core. They lost some key pieces and and we'll talk about that. I'm sure before this episode is over, Tim Elko, Justin bench, Kevin Graham, Hayden Dunhurst, key, key position player pieces, key offensive pieces. Um, You know, especially in Dunhurst's case, key defensive piece. Um, But I still really like this group. You know, Jacob Gonzalez obviously is, is the headliner there. He's arguably the best shortstop in the, in the country, Jacob Wilson at uh, Grand Canyon might have something to say with that, but he's certainly in that in that discussion. Um, you know, Kemp Alderman's coming off a really nice year and could be poised for another leap. Peyton Shotenier is kind of really the guy that it feels like he's going to be a guy that really makes them go. And maybe he didn't last year have the year that he would have hoped to have had in a lot of ways. You know, Calvin Harris has been a, a role player and he swung the bat really well last year in a part-time role. He's going to be a full-time player this year in his natural catching position you know, TJ McCants, I think it's a really toolsy guy who I think uh, might be poised for, for a bigger year this year. Uh, they added a couple transfers, Ethan Groff from Tulane, Anthony Calarco from Northwestern. Those guys are both going to be instant impacts. I, I don't see really any reason why this, this lineup, especially from an offensive standpoint, can't mm-hmm. just really pick up where they left off in terms of production that the pieces that departed are, are, are big. Don't get me wrong, but I have a lot of confidence that this offense, maybe it's not quite the same but could they be 90 to 95 percent as as good as they were perhaps even better if things go really well i think that's on the table i i just really like this group
1: yeah for me it's the lineup as well i mean um gonzalez alderman harris uh titania groff McCants. i mean you hit them all and i think that's the thing this is a lineup that's going to hit a lot of home runs and of course in, in, in Ole miss that means a lot of beer showers right in the outfield but Um, and, and I, I, and I guess if you come to Hoover, that means Brock gap beer showers, right. Um, potentially, but anyway, but this is true. Yeah. This is the kind of team that, you know, they're going to be really challenging to pitch to. They're going to, to, to get deep into your bullpen. They're going to to put up crooked numbers. It's that kind of offense that, and we see that, I mean, that, that was the, that was the way this team was a year ago. I mean, they they would come out and and score six seven runs right and early and then just have to hold on and then the pitching kind of figured it out as the year went on and and then they didn't have to score that many more and, and it became a different team and I, I think this is a similar lineup with similar players that um, you know that that's really for me that the strength of this team is that position player group especially offensively.
0: Yeah, it was it was a group last year that it got better as the year went on offensively because they started scoring runs in different ways there for a while. It was real homer dependent. And so yeah. they would have like they'd score three runs on five hits because it was like two solo home runs and a, you know, or, you know, four runs on two solo home runs and a two run home run. You know, it was just a lot of that. So that that's going to be a key is and I think they have the athletes to do that to score runs in some different different ways. My question about my questions about this team really starts with the rotation beyond Hunter Elliott. You know, they, they've, they're looking at at least as of right now and things could change. And, you know, we, obviously we saw that the rotation at the end of last year was very different for Ole Miss than, you know, Dylan DeLucia was not really part of the core plan on the weekend rotation. And he ended up being the most important piece in that regard, arguably. Right. So um, beyond Hunter Elliott, there, there are questions though. I mean, they're looking at a freshman in Grayson Sonier who, really impressed in the fall. I think there's a lot of optimism about him and, and for good reason and, and Ole Miss is not afraid to throw freshmen in there in the weekend rotation. Gunnar Hoagland was that way, you know, go back to Ryan Rollison was that way um, but then beyond them, they're also looking at a, a D2 transfer from the University of Indianapolis, Xavier Rivas, a lefty who put up good numbers at that level had a really good summer in the Northwoods League um, you know, good You know, phys- physically looks the part, he's good Good starters build, he's not, not an undersized guy and the stuff is is not electric electric but it's good and it plays up like he's got some deception he gets a lot of swing and miss on his fastball which typically tells you there's some deception going on there but we are talking about a freshman and you know even if you go back to hoagland i mean it might it's kind of easy to forget now because of where he ended up and ended up being drafted but his freshman year was not totally smooth sailing there were Mm -hmm. some there were bumps there for him so that's not a sure thing for any freshman, no matter how talented. I mean, Carter Holton made it look fairly easy last year, um, but that's not typical. And then Xavier Mm -hmm. Rivas is a division two transfer up. You just never know how that's going to go. And so that there is a little bit of downside risk there. So uh, to me, that's where the questions start for me for Ole Miss is, is um, how well does the rotation kind of acquit itself beyond Hunter Elliott? I don't have a lot of concern about Mm -hmm. Hunter Elliott, but it's, it's what they get after that.
1: Yeah, and that and that is the that is the concern, right? For all Miss, it's how are the roles going to be defined, right? After Elliott, because I mean, you mentioned all all of the different starting candidates, and and, and there's others too. Um, they would love to keep Guardy at the end of the game, right? And and not have to move him into the starting rotation, and you know, and be able to throw him twice on a weekend. And as he showed, he you know, down the – during the postseason, he was really good and he had a good fall. So if you're able to to keep those defined roles and get them early enough, because that was really the problem last year. That was was where a lot of the struggles came. And he almost waited too late, right, before it all got pieced together. Um, I think that's the key is finding that, you know – Finding those roles, finding those guys, so that you can, you know, you you can fit together the 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 talented pieces that you have, and you're not tr- you're not still searching in May, right? And, and I think you know if if they if they can get this figured out in in March and April, then that stretch run, then look out, you know, this is going to be a handful once again.
0: I think that's as as we start to talk about the things that would have to go well for this team to be the best version of itself. I, I think that's kind of where it starts for me is it's not even so much for me there is time to figure out roles. I mean last year's team proved that there there is time to figure out roles, but the key is for me finding out who their best guys are because it you know it took them a little while to settle on you know Delucia and and, and Elliot um, you know, and and that, oh, Doherty's actually a weapon in the bullpen mm-hmm. in this regard. And and you know, Derek Diamond is maybe a guy who is a one-time through the order star. Like it, it just took him some time to do that. And they have that luxury. The season is short on the calendar, but it's long in terms of of giving you time to to figure that out. But it just always it's one of those things where it always feels to me anyway, short, but ultimately there that there's plenty of time to make those kind of adjustments. But but to me, it's more like, OK, we we know it's it's Hunter Elliott and it's it's Doherty in some role and it's Mason Nichols. But, but they're and then even if even if Sonia and Rivas are are those guys immediately, they're going to need more than five guys. And so who else is in that mix? And And so I think it's important for them to kind of land on, like, who are the guys we want to go into the foxhole with? Right. Mm -hmm. um you know who are the guys that we want in important roles and then you can kind of play with the pieces it feels like um but you do kind of need to settle on like a core group there and so i think that's that's kind of important where it's let's let's nail down the guys that we really trust to go into sec play and then we can kind of play around with the like do we do we toy with doherty back in the rotation do if if something doesn't work out there do we do we want to keep him in the bullpen we're kind of regardless um I think there's mm-hmm. just those kind of questions you can answer, but I think first you kind of have to figure out where you want to invest your innings uh, when you understand that you have a lot of talent on the staff and it's just a matter of kind of finding those pieces.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me it's, it's the leaders off of last year's team that you're trying to replace. There were some gamers, man. There were some, some guys that would fight, uh, good clubhouse guys. Where does that come from? Because when you have a special team like that, and the chemistry and all all the clubhouse camaraderie that you go through when you have a special run like that, you can't you can't just you know order order it up from you know Grubhub and and, and it comes in for, for the next season. It's got it's got to happen organically, and that's you know it's it's so hard to reproduce. If there was an easy recipe, coaches would would would, would fire it up you know right away. So how will that happen? Because now the expectations are different. You're 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 expected to get to Omaha. You're the number four team in the nation. You won it all last year. You know, just hosting a regional is is not. You know, that's not good enough anymore, right? So you're you're kind of a victim of your own expectations. And, and I think to get to where you want to be, you've got to find that, you know, find that that chemistry again and, and that rapport that that last year. They, they figured it out. And, and that was a huge part of that late season run. You
0: know, it's a good point. And in, in one of the pieces, the preseason content pieces uh, on Ole Miss, which for those listening, you can head over to D1Baseball.com, click the SEC extra tab at the top and, and read those preview pieces that Mark and I have been hammering out. But I, I I wrote that, you know, if, if Ole Miss baseball was a house that folks like Tim Elko and Justin Bench and Kevin Graham and Hayden Dunhurst were, were load bearing walls and mm-hmm. Um, they weren't just productive players. They were also guys. They, and they also weren't necessarily the like fiery, you know, charismatic cult of personality type leaders either, but they were just kind of steady hands that the younger players could, could look up. And if they weren't panicking, they knew that, okay, I guess it's not time to panic. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's important. And so it's, it's a great point by you because I, I think that leadership, that stuff has to happen organically. You can't really force that. So that you, you, because of that, though, you are at the risk that sometimes that just doesn't happen because it has to happen organically. So sometimes it just doesn't, it just doesn't, right. So, um, that is certainly something to watch as Ole Miss looks to have another special season and and the talent, you know, I've been asked about Ole Miss a lot in this off season, like what's basically what now since they've won the national title. And it's a team that has the talent to have another special season. So it's going to be a lot of fun to, uh, to watch. That is going to do it for this episode of the Highway to Hoover podcast presented by Brock's Gap Brewing Company. As I alluded to, head over to D1Baseball.com and click on the SEC Extra tab at the top. If you have not subscribed, Mark and I humbly ask that you give it some consideration. Monthly or annual subscription, whatever works for you, works for us. We will continue this Highway to Hoover season preview podcast series as it leads up to opening day. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.